Good morning. Awesome. I hope y'all are doing all right. Uh, as Will said, my name is Joseph Baker. Most of y'all know me, but if you're visiting with us this morning, my name is Joseph. I'm the student pastor here at Lindsay Lane North. And if you're joining us online, uh, that's who I am as well. So we're glad that you're joining that way also. Um, so two things. Uh, one, y'all are probably going to get either the best of me or the worst of me. And, uh, and I apologize for that. But last service... Y'all know me, right? When Sometimes when I get excited, the, the spirit works on me, and then I get tore up, and oh, just a lot of things happen. So I apologize in advance if that happens again. Y'all just work with me, okay? Uh, that's just who I am and how God made me, and that's okay. Um, but uh, two, th- this, is, this is week three of our giving series. Um, what, what title I got given, you know, to say, hey, in this series, this is where you're going to land while Alan is out. Well, he gave me the heart of giving, which I'm excited about. I was super excited about because that is a passion of mine. Any of you who have been in my student ministry for long enough or have come to home group for long enough know that I have just wrapped up and pounded the heart, the heart issue and what that looks like and how that relates to your life and, man, how all good and evil and everything comes out of your heart. And uh, and, and I'll explain that too momentarily, but I was excited to get given this, so because I'm excited about it, I put in time to study it. Um, man, it's something I've studied before. So y'all get a waterfall, all right? I'm going to give you a lot. And also at the same time, I'm probably going to yell at you. So just be okay with that. And like I said, at the end, I'm probably going to cry because God's working on my heart through some of this. So y'all just heads up, okay? Just be okay with it. Um, real quick, we'll get started. But before we do, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to ask a weird question. Is there any way we can turn the lights up in the room a little bit? I know like these are bright, that's fine. But for online, I don't wanna mess that up, but I really can't see y'all and that bothers me. Uh, Okay, that's a little better. No, that's good, that's fine, thank y'all. Hopefully that doesn't mess up the live stream any, but I I like to be able to see you. Um, All right, so we're gonna get started. Before we do, I'm gonna pray in a minute, but I've got something else for you. So in preparing this, I like to be lighthearted. Y'all know that. I'm a fun-having kind of guy. Um, I like to do fun things, and I don't always want to be serious. So I, in preparing for this sermon, scoured the Internet for about 10 minutes and found a ginormous list of four wonderful heart jokes that I want to share with y'all. Now, I told the first service I'm going to give you all the heart jokes and whichever ones y'all laugh at. I'm going to share with the second service because y'all are the ones that matter. Don't tell them that. All right, y'all are, y'all are the, the real service, the live service. So first service is practice. Second service is, okay, goodness. Okay, um, it's a joke. I, they didn't laugh at it either, so I should have stopped there. But as we go through this, y'all feel free to laugh. Feel free to look at me funny. I mean, just give me your raw emotion because one of them I know is bad. Uh, but be warned, they are like dad jokes. They're not great, but they're like, okay, got it. All right, um, number one, when the heart was found guilty of stealing, what did the heart police do? They went for a cardiac arrest. <laughs> Crystal, everybody, everybody stare at Crystal. She, it's on her, all right, right out of the gate. Uh, <laughs> okay, uh, what did the drum say to the drumstick? My heart beats for you. Yeah. So I, I told the lie. I hated that one when I typed it, but I, I went ahead and did it anyways. <laughs> I couldn't find a better one. Um, all right. Number three. What is the worst thing to hear during open heart surgery? 
Jeremiah got it right last service. No. <laughs> Anything. But so, yes, technically, if you hear, yeah, okay. But yeah, if you're in open heart surgery and you hear something, that's probably not good for you, right? Because you should be knocked out at that point. Um, <laughs> and lastly, yeah, so sweet hates it too. Um, lastly, I think my heart is trying to kill me. It's clotting against me. <laughs> okay, all right. So enough of that. Let me, let me pray and we'll get started. Y'all ready? God, thank you for this time and uh, this opportunity to just be together and, uh, and to be able to, to share this message that you've laid on my heart, God, that tonight, this morning, is something that, that uh, you've, you've laid on my heart specifically for me and, and through this, God. And, and I just pray that you begin to do what you do, that today, God, you usher down your spirit. You just uh, allow it to be within me and flow out of me, God, and also just fill this place so that anything that you want to happen can happen. Any freedom that you need to set can be set. God, anything that you do, God, is okay here. And I just pray that you begin to work and move in this place because outside of me, God, this is nothing. God, everything has to be you in me. God, everything has to be your words in my heart, your words out of my mouth, and I just pray that that's what you do. And God, as always, I begin you, pray that you begin to soften every heart, God. Open our ears so that we can fully grasp and understand this word that you have for us this morning. And, and lastly, God, if this is the last time, God, if this is the last time you ever use me to present your gospel and to share your word, I pray that it's done in a way that brings you glory, God, that as always, if you've chosen to use me, I pray that you do it in a mighty way to bring glory to your name. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. All right. So, uh, terrible heart jokes aside, um, hopefully it brightens your morning a little bit. The heart of giving is what we're going to talk about today. The, the heart of giving. And, and some of you guys, as we've, we've walked through this three-week series, when you read that or when you're told that title, some of you may hone in on a word differently than I did. See, when I read the heart of giving, I don't necessarily hone in on the word giving. Um, that, that, that's not what catches me. What catches me is the word heart. Because I feel like giving is a byproduct of your heart. I feel like what you do in your life, everything you do in your life is a byproduct of your heart. It, it, the condition of your heart is what causes actions in your life. So when I hear the heart of giving, I don't focus on the giving because I feel like the real issue is the heart. Because if somebody gives, that doesn't mean their heart's right. If somebody is a giver, congratulations. But if your heart's wrong, it doesn't matter. So when I hear the heart of giving, all I honed in on was what is the heart of someone who gives? How, how do you give with a correct heart? How, how, what is giving and what is giving's heart? Does that make sense? What, what does it look like to have that right heart? So as we hone in on this, we're going to jump into it. We're going we're to start going and rolling and, and, and we're going to work through some of these things. There, there's a little object lesson that I want to show you. And I didn't have paper and boards and all that, but I have my hands so y'all can pretend and, and work with me. So I like to make correlations in scripture. I like to look at what scripture tells me in a spiritual sense and tie that to the correlation of the physical sense. I'm not getting weird on you. Just hear me out. A lot of the time scripture points to things and uses analogies and says, well, this is like this and that is like that. Well, I look at scripture when it talks about the heart and I go, 
And if he's talking about a spiritual heart, how does that relate to our physical heart? This little thing right here, right? Most of you have them. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to look at Crystal. <laughs> okay, I did. But, um, <laughs> sorry, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Gosh, I'm terrible. Uh, see, this is what, we're going to talk about this. The intentions of your heart, you might try to mask them in real life, but the intentions of your heart comes out, right? So I did mean to look at Crystal because I'm an evil person, but that's just life. So if, if, you look at, if you look at your spiritual heart versus your physical heart, look at what they do. Your, your physical organ, your heart right here, it takes blood from all your body, all your extremities, all your fingers, all your organs, all everything, and, and, it, and it pumps it into one side of your heart, and then it goes through your lungs and gets oxygenated, and then goes back in your heart, and then it pumps it back out to your extremities, right? It, it begins to to become the lifeblood of who you are. It works your organs, it works your body, it works your muscles, it works your brain. Everything that you are and everything that you have within this functions because of your heart. Without your heart, what are you? We're, we're done, right? That's it. Your heart is the lifeblood of who you are. So I take that and I look at the cardiovascular system and I'm like, wow, that is fascinating the way all this works. And, and, and your heart takes blood that has waste and contaminants and toxins in it and, it and it flushes those out too on the way by. So, so what takes in maybe like bad blood, it takes out carbon dioxide out of it and it puts in oxygen and makes it better on the other end. And I'm like, that is so cool that, that something bad can go through your heart and then it can become good. And then I look at it in a spiritual sense of what God says and, and I begin to see this correlation because right here, as we jump into this, in, in Psalm, uh, no, sorry, in Ver Proverbs 4.23, it says to guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. So then I begin to look at it and I'm going, well, if, if my physical heart provides everything that I need for my body to live, my, my spiritual heart should also provide everything that I need for my spiritual life to live and to thrive and to grow. And I begin to see it in this fascinating way that if I guard my heart, maybe it begins to, to start to look the way God needs it. Because honestly, I'm not talking about this heart. When God says, I look at your heart and I, I judge you by your heart, he's not talking about your heart. He's talking about you. And y'all walk with me through this because I got to make sure we're all on the same page of my chaos in my head that you get it under, that you understand. We look at this, and, and you look at yourself, and you look at your arm and all that, and you're like, hey, this is, what, what do we call this? We say, this is, this is my arm, and this is my leg, and this is like my ear, right? We, we call it yours. Why? Because that, that is your body, but it's not you. But see, what, what you are is your soul, it's your spirit, and, and right now you're bound by your body. But from earth to heaven, you, you're no longer bound by this body, you're you're bound by a different body, which lets me know that the you inside of you is not this. The you inside of you is your soul. It's your spirit. And God looks at that and he says, there's a heart in there. There is something that is you. And there's a, there's a spirit you in there that is your heart. And, and that's what I look at. I don't look at your flesh. I don't look at your heart, like any, anything besides your, your soul and who I have made you to be. Like there is a point in conception and, and birth when a, when a child is growing and, and all this happens that God takes that flesh and he places a soul in there and says, this is so-and-so and this is their body that will house them on earth. But God looks at the, the them. 
right? Do y'all follow that? So when we're talking about the heart and God says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life, the, 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 the path of your life. He is saying this thing that you are has importance. And it matters. Y'all ready? Have, have I confused you? Lost you? We're good. Y'all watch. Point number one. It says this. Examine your heart. That is my point number one to you. Examine your heart. Psalm 26 verse 2 puts it this way. And David says it. He says, put me on trial, Lord, and cross-examine me. Test my motives and my heart. Put me on trial, cross-examine me, test my motives and test my heart because guess what out of the heart comes everything that you do so God looks at it and says you may have done so and so but your heart wasn't right your motive was incorrect it is garbage he says there's coming a time when I will test every action that you've done by fire and the one that you did in the right heart is the one that stands but the one that you've done incorrectly it may look good on paper but if you did it with the right wrong motive and you did it with the wrong heart it doesn't count. So David stops and he says, man, God, put me on trial. I want you to set me down and I want you to look at me. I want you to rip apart my flesh. I want you to break me down to me. I want you to break me down to the very soul of who I am, to my spiritual heart. And I want you to look at it. And I want you to cross-examine it. I want you to look at it from this end and be like, that's what you said. And then look at it from this end and be like, but that's what you did. And then look at it from the other end and be like, but that's what you meant. Cross-examine my heart. Tell me its motives. Tell me what I really meant to do when I said that. Tell me what I really thought when I did this. Tell me what my real position in myself was whenever I took that action. Because you see, me and myself, I can have the tendency to try to do something for somebody and talk to somebody to get an angle. Because if I can get an angle, then if something works out for me, well then guess what? That's the wrong motive. But y'all looking at me like you're spiritual, like you don't do it. Y'all know, deep down, there's always a motive for something you do. There's a motive for giving there's a motive for serving. There's a motive for asking a question. There's a motive for making a phone call. Usually there's something within you that says, if I do this, this is what I'm looking for out of it. David says, God, cross-examine my heart and show me my motives. Show me that they are of you or not of you. Show me that what I do is for you or not for you. Whenever I, whenever I go and I fight this battle, am I fighting it for you or am I fighting it for me? Whenever I talk to these people, am I doing it for you or am I doing it for me? Whenever I want somebody to be saved, is it so that they get saved and get new life? Or is my motive that I can check a box and turn it into a church and say, look, somebody got saved, count a number. What is my motive? What do I really want? Check my heart. Guys, I want to tell you, in my point one right here, when I say examine your heart, there is something deep in that. And that is something that is very, very difficult. Now, I started out of the gate hot, and I apologize. First service did it to me. Y'all just have to watch. I'll just ride. Examine your heart and see what is in it. Because the first part of a heart of giving I think is you have to get your heart to a place that it is willing to give up a lot. It is willing to give up the things you want. It is willing to give up the way that you want to talk. It is willing to give up the way that you want to manipulate people. It is willing to give up your motives to make yourself better. It is being willing to give up everything in your life that is not of God. Examine your heart. 
through God's lens. And let me tell you, I've done this. I've tried this. And I do it quite often. Why? Because my heart is sinful. God tells us that. In Matthew, he tells you, out of the heart comes all these vile things. Lust, greed, murder, hate, immoralities. It's there. Out of your heart, these things happen. And it says, out of the heart a man speaks. See, everything that you are in your soul and in your spirit and what you begin to allow to take root in your heart is what actually becomes the course of your life. So when you sit down and you say, God, examine me. I'm going to warn you, be ready because it hurts. Be ready because it's hard. Be ready because you're going to be shown things that you didn't even realize. You're going to be shown that maybe the way you parented wasn't even for your child, it was for you. You're going to be shown that the things that you pushed your child into that you wanted them to like was for your glory, not for their love. You're going to see that what you have done in your life may not be exactly what God has called you to be, and that hurts. That, that is a brutal thing. That is something that is going to rip you to shreds. And he is going to start to take your heart and go, let me cross-examine it. Let me show you your motives. That is sinful. That you shouldn't do. That you never should do. That, oh, how dare you? And you're going to go, oh, but I kind of, mm, I didn't really, yeah, okay, maybe I did mean that. That hurts. I can't believe I failed you in that way. I can't believe I failed my friends in that way. I can't believe I, I really did these things examine your heart and when you begin to examine your heart and let God show you things what you're going to find is that you're going to get closer to being able to give freely of all that you are because he's going to show you what within you was not of you everybody good so far fantastic half of you are asleep that's wonderful um as we jump through this, I want you to look at this. How does all of this relate to giving and the heart therein? How does all of this relate to the heart of giving? Because all you've told me thus far is to look at my heart and find out if there's sin in it. Look at my heart and know my motives. But I can tell you, the more you begin to do that, the more you're going to find that you're willing to give of yourself more freely. Which I'm about to show you in point number two, because what's in your heart matters. Point number two. The first service had not heard of this. Um, and I'm curious to know if any of y'all did. What we're going to talk about in point two is seek God's heart. Seek God's heart. How many of y'all... Know who Forrest Finn is. First service, you cheated. You know now, so you can't raise your hands. <clears throat> How many of y'all know who Forrest Finn is? How many of y'all know who for, about Forrest Finn's treasure? Even better. All right, that's two services. I'm about to teach y'all some stuff. Forrest Finn's treasure. This is going to relate really well. And I hope y'all see it. So y'all just ride with me for a second. In 2010, there was a man named Forrest Finn. He was a really wealthy artist who decided to hide a treasure chest in the Colorado Rockies. And then he wrote a poem in his memoir titled The Thrill of the Chase, in which he laid out nine clues over 24 lines of a poem. 
That if you interpreted those 24 lines and got those nine clues correctly, it would lead you right to the treasure chest, which contained gold nuggets, gold coins, jewelry, rare artifacts, and all of it combined carried a value of a little over $2 million. And it sent people into a frenzy. This is 2010, mind you, like 12 years ago. It sent people absolutely bonkers because they were like, A, it's a treasure hunt. That's fantastic. B, this is $2 million. And, and, and it, it's, all, it's all right here. The clues are here. And I'm, I'm smart. I can figure this out. I can go to the Rockies and I can find it and I can be rich. And this is wonderful. And this is the coolest thing. So what, what ended up happening was about, it was estimated that over 350,000 people went in search of this treasure braving the weather and the treacherous terrain of the Rockies. One woman, her name was Kata, that's an interesting name, actually spent over $75,000 in seven years trying to find this treasure. Did y'all hear that? $75,000 in seven years. She spent money to find this treasure. About $10,000 a year. It must have mattered, Right? It must have meant something to her, right? How about this? Not only that, she ended up having sleepless nights. Man, I I got like knee deep in this. I spent 10 minutes on jokes. I spent like an hour on this. Uh, I was like, oh, this is fascinating. This woman actually not only spent money, she said she had continuous nights of no sleep. Because she would begin Googling and earthing and satellite imaging the Rockies and just going through his poem and looking. And she's like, it consumed her. It consumed her so much that she did anything and everything she could to find it. Not only her, a bunch of other people, five of which actually died in their pursuit of this treasure. And when I say died, like they were out trying to find it in the Rockies and died. One of them froze to death. You see, this treasure to them meant something. This treasure, for whatever reason, enamored their heart so much that they had to go get it. It consumed who they were. It cost them money. To some, it cost them their life. And to some, they just did some really weird things that, hey, whatever, it worked out for them. Um, In 2018, there was a man named Jack. Jack found out about the treasure and the poem eight years late, mind you. It started in 2010, and it's 2018, and this dude's like, hey, I just heard about this. (laughs) Let me jump in it. So Jack, in 2018, when finding out, immediately bought Forrest Finn's autobiography and began reading the poem and the clues. He went through the poem meticulously and methodically and with a fine-tooth comb while at the same time, this creeper, decided he wanted to stalk Forrest Forrest Finn's online appearances, talks, and interviews in an effort to pick up subtle clues and hints as well as understand Forrest Finn better. So what he began to do is he was like, oh man, I'm in, I'm gonna do this. So he starts going through the poem and he starts like looking at every little way Forrest Finn may like wrote a T and maybe like put the dot on the eye a little different. Like, was that a directional thing? Like, what do you, and he starts like going crazy and he's fine tooth combing this thing. And then he's listening to every talk Forrest Finn ever made, listening for clues. And he, he's going through and he's getting in online blogs and he's doing everything that he can for two years to pick up information on Forrest Finn so that he knows his inner workings inside and outside. And he knows who Forrest Finn is so that he can then better understand his poem and what he might've meant. From there, he decided to do something even crazier. He moved to Puerto Rico. 
There's motive. He moved to Puerto Rico. Why? Because Puerto Rico has Paquinto capital gains tax. It is. That is Spanish for small. Will, good job, Will. <laughs> Genius. Little bitty capital gains tax. So he moves to Puerto Rico so that that is his place of residency. And when the time sets for that to be taken, he goes to Colorado because he thinks he's got it figured out. And he starts his journey and he goes through the Rockies. And lo and behold, the dude rose and walks out, pulls out the 10 by 10 bronze chest of treasure. He found it. After 10 years, Jack Stoof, I think's his name, found Forrest Finn's treasure. And inside the treasure, there's a, there's a note that tells him what to do to make sure that, you know, Forrest Finn knows he found it and all this stuff. And they go through it and it's really cool. And then all these people started suing Jack and suing Forrest Finn because they were like, it was rigged. It was, I mean, it was like 10 years. It really is rigged. But anyhow, so they go through all this stuff only for this guy to do nothing with the treasure. He's holding on to it. He's like, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. And that's been two years. Forrest Finn died two months after the dude found the treasure. Pretty cool story, pretty neat thing. What I want you to glean from that, a lot of people bought into a lot of different things with that treasure, right? Matthew 6, 21 tells us this. Matthew 6, 21 says, where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So for these people, like Kata, she wanted that treasure and it consumed her so much so that she, she stayed awake at night. She gave of her time to it. She gave of her money to it, $75,000 as a matter of fact. It, it became what she wanted so much so that she was willing to give all that she had to it. And then Jack got so enamored with it that he studied it with a fine-tooth comb. He learned everything there was to know about Forrest Finn. He learned his personality, his inside, his outside, everything about him. He became kind of creepy how much he knew Forrest Finn. And, and he read through that poem so many times in his autobiography. And he began to know everything there was about him. And then he took the really bold risk of moving to you know, Costa Rica just in case he found it so that he wouldn't have to pay capital gains tax. You see, this dude's treasure was where his heart was. So it drove his actions. Y'all see where I'm headed. God tells you your heart, your heart will do whatever you really want it to do. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart is. Wherever your treasure is, there your heart is. Now, I am not sitting here talking about giving and I'm not talking about gold and I'm not really talking about treasure. I'm gonna point you to a person that I, I see this in. His name is David. And in 1 Samuel 13, verse 14, y'all see this. It says, but now your kingdom must end. He's talking to Saul. Saul was the predecessor of David. He was the one that was the king of Israel and he did evil in God's eyes. He was all about pride. He was all about his own power. Saul did everything that he wanted to do outside of God. And God said, Saul, your kingdom must now end for the Lord has sought out a man, y'all catch this, after his own heart. He has sought out a man after his own heart and the Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's commands, Saul. So what he says is, I am God, you don't want me, you're gone. You didn't want anything to do with me, you're gone. But David, this man, this shepherd boy, I have seen him. I've seen how he treats his sheep. I've seen how he does his business. I've seen his inner workings. I know his heart. And I can tell you one thing. His heart is in line with my heart. Why? Because he seeks after it. That is his treasure. 
He wants to be like me in everything that he does. He wants to be like me in how he disciplines. He wants to be like me in how he talks. He wants to be like me in how he walks. He wants to be like me in how he shares. He wants to be in every shape, form, or fashion like me. I am his treasure, and that man is after my heart. And I see it in his heart, his inner working of who he is. And we see it in David. Why? Because we see David's actions. Because out of the heart, a man speaks. And everything that you do comes out of your heart. So you see, you can start to to see how all this is working. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. So how does this relate to giving? How does this really matter when we're talking about giving? What you really care about is what you're going to give yourself to. Now, I'm not dogging anybody. I'm not beating you over the head. These are examples from my life. Just, and some of yours maybe, but mine. If you desire something, you will make crazy decisions to make it happen. Who in their right mind gets up at four in the morning to come to church to go help somebody to do anything. Not many people. So go to work. But a lot of people get up at four in the morning to go hunting. I do. I have. Why? I want to. It's a desire. It is something in my heart that I want to do. <laughs> I enjoy that, right? That want dictates how I live. I want to encourage you guys. I have seen at Lindsay Lane North a lot of good things. Are we perfect? No, but I have seen so much good out of you guys. I've seen so much service out of so many people in this church. Usually when there's an event that Lindsay Lane does, I think most of you have your heart in it enough for the community and for God that you were willing to give of your service. I've seen it time and time again. At community fest, you're there. At concession stands there for a while, you were there. Understand. Now, here you go, and you're working through things. I want to tell you, I've seen you be there. I've seen you serve. I've seen you give. I'm going to speak for my student ministry for just a second. I don't get to do this very often, so I'm hijacking it. I'm going to do it. I've seen y'all give financially to my student ministry. Thank you. It is much needed. We went from one student in June, July of 2020 to 50-something students in August of 2022. That is wonderful. That's a numbers thing. Okay. But my infrastructure was not set up for it. I didn't have the help. Sometimes I didn't have the money. Sometimes I didn't have the volunteers to be able to pull off. Like, how do you do this? There's a few of me, like me and Carson and, and Libby, and, and, and then people started coming in. We've got, we've got workers coming in saying, I want to be in the student ministry. Why? Because I care about the lives of our students. I care about the lives of my kids. I want to see you do good. I want to see you continue to reach. I want to see you continue to work. I want to see God continue to move in our student ministry. I'm like, great, come on. And we got people coming, and we did our first summer camp, and that was fantastic. We had all the help we needed. And then on Wednesday nights, they were like, hey, let's do home groups. Like, okay, let's do it. Um, we've got a ton of kids. How do we do it? And then the Davises stepped up and they were like, man, we'll be a home. And what started with like nine of them in their home turned into like 23. So that's wonderful. And then we started with a few and now we've got like 25 and that's wonderful. Like we've got a lot of kids running through our student ministry, but then the problem came, how do we feed them? (laughs) They're coming in from like basketball and football and baseball all year. How do we feed these kids? And I can tell you we haven't missed a beat once. I can tell you my budget won't hold it. 
Every week, I cannot throw $500 at food. It just doesn't happen. But I can tell you our kids eat. You know why? You guys. And that matters. You guys have given of your time. You've given of your money. You've cooked meals. You've brought meals. You've been there. You have done anything and everything that I could ever ask anybody to do for a student ministry. And why? Because I think you have a good heart. I think you have a good enough heart that you're willing to give of those things to make that happen. I can't speak for the other ministries in this church, but I've seen you work in mine. And thank you. And I would encourage you to continue to do that. When I'm talking about giving and we're talking about having the heart of God and seeking God and giving yourself exactly to everything you need to, I'm not talking about always writing a check. I'm talking about giving of who you are. If you have the opportunity, and you, say you're good enough and you're like, man, I can build stuff. Like I'm a good carpenter. I can do trim work. And when we do things in here, like when we turn this church into what it is now, I saw so many of you guys there doing it. I saw people outside of church coming in here doing this. Why? Because they had, a, they had an ability and they said, I can do this. Maybe you're great with finances and you're like, I understand money like it's nobody's business. Man, get in here and serve on the finance team. Give of that way. Give of your time. Give of your ability. I'm not always telling you to write a check. That is a byproduct of your heart. That is a subset of giving. Giving is more than money. Giving is of giving who you are. Giving is saying this is who I am and I want to make sure that I, I, I allow myself to be used. I want to give you my talents. I want to give you my time. Man, giving is so much more. And you see this in David's life. Because David gets put in this place where he is, he is the king of Israel. He has all authority and power. This nation is his. He is boss, man. He was appointed king. And he has every opportunity to go do whatever he wants to do. But what does David do? David gives the way he talks, the way he does, the way he leads. David actually gives his kingdom to God. And says, you gave it to me, but it's not mine to run. It's yours. So God, allow me to run this kingdom the way you would run it. So I'm going to give you my kingdom that you gave to me. Guys, I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that I do everything perfect. I don't. I fail a lot. I'm not going to sit up here and tell you, can I be honest? I'm not going to sit up here and tell you that I want to serve in the nursery. I love y'all. A lot. And I love your kids enough. I love my kid more than anybody else. And he can wipe snot on me, but your kid can't. That bothers me. Now, that's wrong. <laughs> right? That is incorrect of me. My motive is wrong in that. And I know that and I'm working on that. But it's a struggle I have. It's being real. You guys... Y'all may feel the same way. You may be like, no, I ain't doing that nursery. Hey, maybe I'll do the baby. Maybe Robbie will sleep. That's cool. I can handle that. But you put me in them three-year-olds? No. <laughs> no don't choke one of them. But no. So <clears throat> I get it. But let me encourage you. There's somebody out there who's got that heart. There's one of y'all out there who says, man, my heart is kids. I love little children. I love babies. I love three-year-olds. God love you, all right? If that's you, serve. I'm not gonna be like, man, y'all need to serve. I'm saying, that's a way you can give. 
Let your heart be given in that way. If you like talking to people and you like going, hey, how's it going, man? I mean, I was cool. How was Alabama? How was Auburn? How was Tennessee? Like, that's a cool thing. Like, how was Georgia? Did you like that? Did you like the weather? How do you? If you like greeting people, talking to somebody, join the greeting team. That's a way to give. Give of your heart. My father-in-law, bless his soul, has an addiction to parking people. He loves it. Why? I don't know, but he's, he loves it and he's good at it. Every church he's at, he's like, hey, let me, hey, parking team, right here. Come on. Here we go. Here we go. Park it right here. This is you. It's me. Here's a spot. Who's got a spot? We got a Tahoe. We got a big, it's him. That's who he is. I watched him at our old church, Alan's dad's church, Bethlehem. The student ministry, they would do a fireworks stand and it's like fireworks on like a half acre lot. Right? And it's in Huntsville. And they'd be running people down, you know, Jordan Lane, Research Park, coming in for miles to come into this place. Why? I don't know. But they did. And I think it's just because the Lord blessed it. And, man, they, they made a ton of money for their student ministry doing this. And they got to witness to a lot of people. But how they, how they fit everybody in that little place, I have no idea. But they did it. Man, they'd be out there, come on, bring them in. People lined up down the street, and they're orchestrating people like how to get in and out and, and go through it, and they got stuff roped off, and they're doing That is a skill set that my father-in-law has. He uses it. He gives of it. I would encourage you guys, whatever your heart is, give of it. Give to it. Seek it, fight it, find it. If you can click a mouse, man, join the media team. Go for it. If that's your heart, go, do. I'm not asking you to always give money. North isn't asking you to give money. That happens. Our resources are always met. God takes care of that. As Alan says, this church is going to keep going whether you give or not. But it is an opportunity, and we as pastors are told to equip the church to do the service. Guys, if you feel led to give, give in every aspect that you have every avenue that you're good at, give to it, right? Like, I'm not a great speaker, but I give of it. I talk to y'all. I do the best I can. I'm definitely not a comedian, even though I try to be. So I just do. I serve because this is what I feel like God's called me to do, and it's my heart. I do students because I want to see students get saved and, and, and change their life so that they don't walk through the crap that I walk through. I got saved at 17. I was late in the game, and man, there's a lot of regrets because of it. And if I had been told about Jesus quicker, if I had given of my life quicker, man, how much better would I be now? Instead of having the guilts and regrets and shame that sometimes I feel of the things I did. Give of yourself in whatever facet to whatever God has called your heart to. Does that make sense? Okay, all right. Now, we're gonna go into point number three. Did I brag on y'all enough? Did, did I brag on y'all enough? Okay, thank you. I'm trying to because I, I really do appreciate everything. I know our staff, Alan, Will, Jeremiah, all of us, we appreciate everything that you do. And uh, man, it wouldn't work without you. So thank you. Keep doing. And we say get plugged in, for real. If you've got a heart to do something, to share the gospel, because I'm not talking about giving, like I said, financially, but you need to give of yourself in the body of Christ to see souls saved and to see the work of God continue. And that's what he looks at within you is what's your heart in this. And point number three in closing this as we start to wrap this up, point number three is to give your heart. We see in scripture that the heart of man is called out and described over and over. 
All throughout scripture, God says, this is the heart of man. Your heart does this, your heart does that. This is how the heart works. This is how your heart reacts. This is your motive of your heart and guard your heart and watch your heart. See, the man has his heart called out all the time. But there's only one place in the New Testament where the heart of Jesus is distinctly mentioned. Y'all catch this. The heart of Jesus is mentioned. That's key. Let's hone in on that. If you've forgotten everything I've told you right now, listen to point three as we close this. Y'all ready? Matthew 11 is where we see this. It's actually Matthew 11, verse 28 and 29. Then Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are weary and carry a heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you. Y'all watch this. Because I am humble and gentle at heart. And you will find rest for your soul. I am humble and gentle at heart. The King James Version puts it this way. I am meek and lowly. Meek and lowly. Now, dudes, raise your hand. Okay, dudes, raise your hand. Come on. All right. How many of y'all would ever walk up to another guy and be like, Hey, man, you're better than me. I'm humble. I don't mean nothing. I'm good. Don't, don't mean no harm. I'm meek and lowly. Do we do that? Guys, you walk up to another guy, and what do you do? What's up, man? <laughs> right? Why? You're showing dominance. You're letting, I mean, it, is, it is a constant contest. You know, and you women don't act like you don't do it either. Y'all know. It is human nature to come at somebody, to, to, to meet somebody that you don't even know. And you automatically start jockeying for position, don't you? We want to be better. We want to be bigger. We want to be the one that's respected. We have a little bit of pride in ourselves, right? Y'all know. Jesus takes the opposite approach. How many of y'all there watch the Wildcrats? Okay, good. Second service, congratulations. First service, never watch Wildcrats, except for Jeremiah. But he's got kids, so I get it. So Wildcrats. Wildcrats is these people, they're like wild animal people, and they teach, they teach kids stuff. My son watches Wildcrats a lot. He's got a poster in his room with the Wildcrats. Like, he's, he's in. Wildcrats teaches you so many things. And he tells me every day, he'll go, Dad, hey, Dad, guess what? Hey, Dad, you know this? Hey, Dad, let me tell you this. Did you know deer do this? Did you know animals do that? Did you know a fox does this? Hey, Dad. And I'm like, Wildcrats, he's like, yes. Okay, so one thing that the Wildcrats taught my son is that wolves, when they walk up to each other, will create this thing. Who's bigger, who's better? And if they don't come to fight, you know what they do? They get low. A wolf is already in this position. I'm just getting there. Then a wolf... <laughs> I told y'all I try to be a comedian. The wolf will then walk up to the other wolf and take the lower position. And he will get lowly. And what he's saying when he does that is I don't come to bring beef. I don't come to beat you up. I don't come to argue with you. I don't come to fight with you. I'm just walking up saying, hey man, I'm here. That's what a wolf does. And my son taught me that because he said the Wildcrats taught him that. And Jesus walks up to his people and he says, I come and my heart 
is humble and gentle. Actually, my heart is meek. It's soft. And I'm lowly. Why? Because I want you to feel comfortable to talk to me. I want you to feel comfortable to come to me. I don't want there to be this strife between us to where you feel like your badness, your transgression, your sin, your failure is not good enough to talk to me. I don't want you to feel like I'm better than you because I'm not. I'm coming at you as a servant. I'm coming at you as a lowly person saying, hey, I'm here for you, not the other way around. That is Jesus' heart. Do you see this posture Nobody sees Jesus this way. Nobody. But that is who Jesus is. And you know why Jesus is that way? Because you're his treasure. Because his heart is all for you. You're his prized possession. And he says, I don't want to come at you in any way. I don't want you to look at me in any way. I want you to see my heart. I'm here for you. Because you see, when I was in heaven... I was. I was a stallion. I was the man. I ruled the place. Angels worshiped me. Angels worshiped God. I was the one. I was the son of God. I was in it from the beginning. That's my glory. I don't have to have glory here. But I don't want that without you. So I'm coming at you meekly and lowly so that you can have comfort in me. Y'all watch this. Scripture tells you right there, come to me all who are weary and carry heavy burdens. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I'm humble and I'm gentle at heart and you'll find rest for your souls. What Jesus is telling you right there is saying, please, please, please come to me. Come to me so that you will be able to find me. In effect, he says, come to me, you offended men, you who feel unworthy, you who thinks your transgressions may provoke my anger. Come to me because I'm not going to beat you over the head about it. You failed, you sinned, your, your heart is horrible. But I love you enough that I want you. I love you enough that I'm going to give everything that I have to you. I love you enough that I gave up my glory for you. I love you enough that I'm actually going to lay down my life for you. I love you enough that I'm going to give you my heart. I love you so much so that I'm going to die for your sin. Please come to me. I want you. The heart of a giver is visible 100% when you look at Jesus. Why? Because he said, look at my heart. I'm giving you everything that I am. I'm giving you my pride. I'm giving you my life. I'm giving you my love. Actually, I love you so much so that I'm going to come down to this earth in, in a terrible time. And I'm, I'm not even going to have a place to live. I'm not even going to have a place to lay my head. I'm going to do this on a whim. Just walking through the place saying, hey, I love you. You are my treasure. And that's where my heart's at. And you see his heart relaying the heart of God. Because he's the one who sent his one and only son to die for you. He gave all he had for you. And in return, he says, examine your heart. Find out what's dirty in it. And then I want you to seek me with all that you have. Make me your treasure. And in doing so, you give of yourself. As Will comes and, and does what he does, I want to encourage you guys. 
Man, when I look at this and, and I start looking at it and I started studying it, I probably bored y'all to death. But to me, it means the world because what I see and what I, what I honed in on this was it had nothing to do with giving. Giving is the byproduct of your heart. Giving is what you do because of who you are. Giving is an overflow of your heart because if you guard your heart, out of it flows everything in your life. So if you're a giver, in essence, it is because your heart is in the right place to give. You can write a $150 check, whoop-de-flip, if your heart's not there. God doesn't like it. He loves a cheerful giver. A giver that gives of his time cheerfully. A giver that gives of his abilities cheerfully. Yes, a giver that will give of other resources cheerfully. Everything that you are, he says, give. Why? Because I have given you everything. And it breaks his heart to see you in a condition of brokenness. It breaks his heart to see you in a place where you need salvation and it doesn't happen. And he has called you just like he's called me to, my goodness, y'all watch this. God loves the lost. God loves the sinner. God loves the most horrible person on this earth. And he says, you are my hands and you are my feet. And if you have my heart, if you get my heart, it will break your heart. It will break your heart when you see these people. It will break your heart when you know someone's lost. It'll break your heart when you know somebody's hurting. And you will do anything and everything to reach them. He says, that is the heart of a giver. That is the heart of a Christian. That is the heart of God. That is the heart that you need to be molded into. That when you see lost, you see broken, you see people, you see them the way God sees them. And it breaks you to pieces. And I can tell you in the first service, I got broke. And I'm going to try not to get broke this time. But I'm going to do my best. I am remiss if I don't do this because it's what God laid on my heart. Through learning this sermon and through studying it, he put a scripture in my mind. And it's a scripture that I found. And it's Psalm 34, 18. And there was an individual that I talked to a few weeks ago. And it continues to weigh on me. And I try not to let it because I have life to live. But it will continually hit me over and over. And I will pray for this individual because it's bothered me. And I'm going to do my best. But I told you I'd probably cry at the end. Just work with me. This individual had a conversation with me for about two hours one night. And the, the contents of this conversation, I won't share with you because it's, it's sensitive. But it was, it, was, it was a lot. And I worked through it and I talked with them and I texted them and we were texting back and forth. And I didn't have this individual's number. I actually reached out to a lot of people to see if we had this number because I wanted to know who this was so that I could help them. Nobody had the number. I went through a lot of different avenues only to find out how this number works and it's not traceable. I will never know who this was unless I know. So I'm using the avenue that I have because God is breaking me in this. And I'm sorry. But I'm using the avenue I have to reach out and to reach out through the live stream. If that was you, 
God has this verse for you. Psalm 34, 18. It says, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and he rescues those whose spirits are crushed. And I know that means something to you, whoever you are. If you're listening, if you're out here, I don't know. I don't know you. But I know the conversation we had and I know the last text we had where you said, help. And then your number was completely disconnected on your end. You wouldn't tell me who you were and that's fine. But it has owned me and it has bothered me. And I'm doing this and I know it's so you can see it. This is not a show. I want you to see. You won't feel it, but I do. This hurt, this worry, this concern is the very way God feels for each and every one of you and each and every person on this earth. Because if you're lost, he doesn't have you. And there's going to come a point when he says, I don't know you. depart from me and that breaks him <laughs> and there's an individual that I text and I talk to on the phone we had a conversation and I know they're lost <laughs> and I know they're hurting and I can't help them and it bothers me and God is saying give of yourself <laughs> to reach these people because that is my heart please Tell me you see this. God cares for each and every one of you so much that he gave his one and only son to die on the cross for your sin so that you would be forgiven. In Romans 10, 9, it says it. If you openly declare that the Lord Jesus is the Lord, that Jesus is the Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you were made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you were saved. You see, your heart matters in every shape, form, or fashion. It is actually what saves you. If you believe in your heart and you confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, you will be saved. If you're out there and that's you, person that I talked to or individual sitting here today, God loves you and he wants you to be saved. He gave everything he had for you. And if you're listening online, whoever you are, please, if you need to make a decision for Christ, please do so. Reach out to us. Reach out to the church. Do the connect card. Whatever it takes, make sure that you make a decision for Christ. You believe it in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You will be saved. And if you're that individual that I've really want to talk to please reach out to me again if you would stand this is your time as, as Will plays and sings if you need if you need God come find him if you need peace come get it if you need salvation come get it if you need to start to search your heart now do it I don't care all I know is that right now just like last service my heart is in a vice grip and it owns me so y'all just have to deal with me from now to the end of service because I do weird things when I'm upset but this is your time so we'll